And let's read a passage of Scripture from Luke. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promises to us. I pray that the presence of the Holy Spirit would fill this place. I pray, Lord God, that you would quicken us to what you have called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I figured since uh, Joseph was coming next week, we'd give Mary a little equal time this week. Um, is that the first? Uh, it is. Uh, we, we, we Protestants spend a little time considering Mary, um, perhaps as a reaction to, uh, reaction to uh, the, the, the overemphasis, uh, perceived overemphasis that the Church of Rome puts on her. Uh, as usual, though, the proper perspective is probably somewhere in between. Uh, those two those two extremes, while we certainly don't see her as having um, such personal virtue that she occupies an irreplaceable role in our redemption, only only Christ Jesus occupies that role. Um, nor do we see her as having special uh, privileges in terms of access to God. She is nevertheless an extraordinary person. I don't think God. Uh, just looked down one day and said, well, you know, it's about time. Let's see. I wondered, uh, do, do, do that one. 
you know, I, I don't think he flipped a coin or anything. There was definitely something about her where she found favor with God, extraordinary favor with God. Uh, however, from what we know about her, one of the most extraordinary things about her is her absolute ordinariness that she had. We have little information about her. Uh, we know where she came from. We can infer that she was a, 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 young, a young woman, probably uh, early to mid-teens, uh, considering the, the period of time that this, uh, that this was in. And, uh, but she was, a, she was just an ordinary person who had a remarkable calling on her life. The Bible rarely gives attention to physical appearance. We, we put so much stress on physical appearance uh, that it, uh, it, it gets a little ridiculous sometimes. But uh, the Bible tells us very little about how people look, period. Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, actually gives us a clue about himself over in 1 Corinthians 10, 2 Corinthians 10, 10. And what we know about him is that in person he was unimpressive. At least that's what people said about him. And he was apparently okay with that. Uh, what we know about Jesus and what he looked like uh, comes from Isaiah chapter 53, uh, verse 2, where it says he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Nothing in his appearance. Yet people did desire him. There must have been something from the inside, some, some, some virtue, some uh, love. You know what? When you love people, you become beautiful. You just absolutely do. We had a uh, uh, um, memorial service here yesterday for Sally, uh, for Sally Rappaport. And I knew that Sally was a, was a special gal in, anyway. But uh, the, the range of people who came and, and the different walks of life that they came from and the way that she touched their lives and the uniform testimony was how much she loved. I think my favorite one was when, when Gary House got up and said, uh, first time I met Sally, first thing she said to me is, do you have a wife? And I said, yes, I do. And she said, well, I guess I'm going to have to love her too. So, Sally was beautiful. And that's why she was beautiful, when, when you love people. And so, yes, people were attracted to Jesus, but not by how he looked. No, nobody was going, hey, look at that guy. Wow, He's, uh, he sure is handsome. Or look at those eyes. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Paul, uh, as I said, we know she was a young, a young girl. We know she was a brunette, more than likely. That's, that's about as far as it goes. Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, and, uh, and he told him, let no one despise your youth. Um, and while those who are older sometimes tend to despise youth, especially if those older people are very insecure in and of themselves and tend to despise the youth of others. See, the older people who are very secure in who they are rejoice in the youth of others. They don't despise the youth of others. I think the people who, who generally have the greatest problem despising youth are youth themselves. Uh, Jeremiah, when he was called by the Lord, a lot of us are familiar with the, uh, uh, with the passage of Scripture that says in Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. 
Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Um, But we oftentimes don't know what the next verse is. And the next verse was Jeremiah's reaction to that, his response to that. His response was, ah, sovereign Lord, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. And we we have a tendency, uh, really regardless of what age we are, we have a tendency to go, I'm too young. I can't really do what you've called me to. I'm too old. I can't really do what you've called me to. And, and, and one, of the, one of the little secrets that I'll let the younger people in on, a lot of the older people already know this, is that as soon as you get through thinking that you're too young, you begin to think that you're too old, and somehow the middle got left out. That, that happens to us. It just sort of is a blur. But the truth of the matter is, if God has called you, Whether you're young or whether you are old, it has nothing to do with how old you are. Noah was 500 years old when God called him to build a boat. Moses was 80 years old when God called him to deliver a nation, deliver his people out of of Egyptian bondage. And so there is no too old, there is no no too young. Philippians 4.13, does anybody know that, that passage of Scripture? I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me when I'm young. Once I get old enough. No. What he has called you to, he equips you for. He, he, is, he is able to accomplish in you the things that, that, he, has, that he has spoken to you about, the things that he's, that he's called you to. Mary also wasn't destitute, but she certainly wasn't uh, born into privilege either. There was, there was no middle class in those days. And, and that's, a, that's another thing that tends to block us out at times. At times we, we tend to go, well, you know, I, I, I don't have the resources to do this. I don't have the influence to do this, uh, to do what God has called me to. And, and those things are totally irrelevant. God makes it abundantly clear that he doesn't regard social standing in the way the world does. In fact, it's actually harder to, to be rich and influential and enter into the kingdom. When the rich young ruler came to Jesus and wanted to follow him, and Jesus saw how attached he was to his stuff, and said, well, yeah, you can follow me. All you got to do is get rid of your stuff. The, 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 the scripture says, you know that he went away, but listen to what this says. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Doesn't say he went away sad because Jesus told him he couldn't follow him. Or, or he, he you know, went away sad because he was disillusioned with Jesus. He went away sad because he had great wealth. My dad, uh, when he pastored up in Millersville, and I've told you, a number of times about the church it, it certainly wasn't um, a church that had a lot of wealthy and influential people in fact let me rephrase that it was a church that had no wealthy or influential people in it when you get right down to it I mean you know, the guy who uh, who worked at the factory was and had a steady 40 hour a week job he was he was at the top of the food chain uh, in fact I remember we had we had people in the church who didn't have a car uh, and I'm not talking about teenagers I'm talking about, you know, couples with children. Um, And and one guy in the church in particular, I I remember, uh, every morning, Crittenham, Crit, Crit, Crittenham was his actual name, Uh, 
Crit Sorrells was his name, and every morning, if you, if you happened to be on the road early enough, you'd see him out there hitchhiking into, into town to go to work, and he'd hitchhike into town to go back. So anyway, that was the kind of, of, uh, of church that it was. It was, it was great. It was a great atmosphere to grow up in, but there wasn't a lot of money and stuff, but I, I remember uh, my dad, one of the things that kind of indelibly got burned into my, uh, into my consciousness was every now and then somebody would come to the church and things would really start to turn around for them and they'd really start to do well financially and they never stayed and I remember my dad always saying you know as soon as they started making that money they left as soon as they started as soon as that became important in their life they quit following Jesus and so you know sometimes that can actually that can actually be worldly social standing is not prohibitive but it doesn't help much either in fact, uh, and that's really kind of smaller than I ended up for that print to be, but this is, what, this is what Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Oh, thank goodness. Not many of you were uh, influential. Not, not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the, the lowly things of this world and, and the despised things and the things that are not to uh, bring to naught the things that are so that no one may boast before him. And so when it came time for him to send his son into the world, when it came time for the savior of the world to come, he didn't look in a palace. He, di- he didn't look uh, in governmental officials. He didn't look in places of wealth. He went to Galilee, of all places. And he found a, a young girl, a young virgin who had found favor with him. And the news that's brought to her is, is, is reflected, is echoed in the good news for us Uh, The news that was brought to her is, there's new life in you. It's going to be new life in you. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. And the good news that's brought to us is, there's new life in you. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The new has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Does the world ever get boring to you? Let me just say this. If the world doesn't ever get boring to you, then you are boring. Because the world can certainly be a drag at times. And, and, I, and I remember when I really turned my life over to the Lord, and I remember coming across this verse in the New Testament and going, yeah, that's it. That's what happened. I, I, that's, that's exactly what happened to me. I, 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 I went in. Well, actually, I'd already given my life to the Lord, but the, the day that I publicly made that proclamation, you know, I went into church kind of feeling like, you know, and, it, and it, was, it was a little weird. And I went out going, woo, oh, look at that. The grass is green. <laughs> woo, the sky's blue. Isn't this great? Yeah. And, it's, and it's fresh. It's new every morning. With, with, his, with his mercies and his love, it, it becomes something new. Every, every single day. And this new life is brought about by God's power through the work of the Holy Spirit. She said, how will this be? I'm a virgin. How can I be with child? Well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born 
will be called the Son of God. And it's the same way with us. You, you can no more decide, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be saved than Mary could decide, well, I'm going to give birth to the Messiah. The Holy Spirit has to do that work in you. And he does do it. Now, yeah, you have to agree with him. You have to accept it. But, but he's the one who has to do it. It says over in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. And then John 3, 5, and, and if you were here last year when we were teaching on John, this came up again and again. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. And so she had new life in her by the power of the Holy Spirit. And she was highly favored. The Lord is with you. You have found favor with God. This unknown small town girl. One, one woman out of all who have ever lived on the face of the earth and she gets selected. Nazareth of all places. And, and imagine, what does it mean to be highly favored of the Lord? I mean, we, we uh, that's, boy, I don't want to, it's a good thing to say, okay? But at the same time, it's kind of become cliched. You know, it's kind of become cliched when you go, how you doing? Oh, well, I'm highly favored. Well, yeah, you are, but are you actually, are you just, did somebody tell you that? Or, you know, uh, uh, do, you, do you believe that? What does it mean to be highly favored of the Lord? Listen, I mean, put yourself in Mary's position now. She, like I say, she's not, she's not from a wealthy family. You know, she's just average girl, average, well, actually kind of probably below average area, below average town. And an angel comes to her. First of all, that's pretty, that's pretty freaky. And tells her that she's going to have a child, even though she's a virgin. Now, that's pretty amazing. And your son is going to sit on the throne of his father, David, and will reign forever and ever. Whoa. Get your mind around that. Now, we kind of can because we're, we're looking at it from the outside. But, I mean, put yourself in her, in her position and, ha- and have God saying that to her. But the truth of the matter is you are highly favored of the Lord. If, you've, if, you, if you have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, you have eternal life with God. You are being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, I, I mean, yeah, Revelation uses the, the streets of gold and, and, and stuff like that. And, I, and I, I, I hope I'll be able to fly, you know, when I get to heaven because I think that'd really be cool without a plane. And, and all that kind of stuff. But regardless of that, all those things are just little, little glimpses of something that's far bigger and far beyond anything we can Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, it has not entered into the mind of man what God has prepared for those who love him. You, you are highly favored of the Lord. And, you know, if we really knew that, would we, would we get so bothered by the little things that bother us? Seriously. I would say, and she's up in Cool Church, so this isn't, you know, earning points here. I would say that the thing that's happened to me, aside from being saved in my life, that has been the most favor and the most grace was Margaret saying yes. And when she said yes, 
there was this glow that just encompassed my life. And you know what? I went for weeks without getting angry in traffic. I went for weeks just letting stuff roll off of me. Ah, it's no big deal. She loves me. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't really matter. We're going to get married. Wow. Wish it was today. Yeah. And when you know, when, when, you, when you understand the favor of the Lord upon your life, then yeah, you don't take offense real quickly. You don't get upset by the little stuff that, that happens because you're living in a fallen world. Highly favored by the Lord. We're so unimpressed, though, with the ordinary because we're too dull to see the extraordinary. Jesus, uh, well, when Jesus began his ministry, and Nathaniel, Philip went to Nathaniel and said, We found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel goes, Nazareth? Really? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And then when, and, and, and it wasn't just other people going, uh, <clears throat> he's from Nazareth. <laughs> when he went to Nazareth to preach, and he got through preaching because that was his hometown, they went, who does he think he is? We know this guy. We know his brothers. You know what kind of guys they are. We, we know his sisters. How can he be something special when he's so ordinary? When, when this is so ordinary, we walk in a, in a fog. We walk in a, in a daze that the presence and power of God is continually trying to break through so that the fog is lifted and occasionally we catch, catch glimpses of how truly extraordinary everything around us is. Okay, this is what I really want to preach about. Mary went to see Elizabeth. Mary was told that Elizabeth was pregnant, and Elizabeth had the opposite issue from Mary. Mary was a virgin. How could she be pregnant? Elizabeth was old and barren. How could she be pregnant? So Mary goes to see her, and here's the point. There, there are those who have gone before you in experiencing this new life. And there are those who are you've go, to whom you've gone before in experiencing things. And we have a tendency to segregate ourselves from those people. We have, we have a tendency to not, to not get, get close to them. <laughs> uh, uh, on Sunday mornings when, uh, when, they, uh, when they say go and greet each other, I've taken to heading right over here, haven't I? Yeah. And when I get over here, uh, I, I tend to go to the, to the teens and go get out of the, go get an old person and get out of the, the teen ghetto. And, and I don't count. I'm not old. I'm the pastor. Yeah. And, and, you know, and they're starting to do that. You know, and then some of them are starting to scatter to other places in the building so that I can't go to them. Uh, and I won't know that they're over here. Uh, and 
uh, some of the, the older but you know what I don't see a lot of older people going hey let's go down there where the teens are In fact, a, a few, uh, three or four weeks ago, I was uh, uh, talking to a couple of the girls. They, they know who they are. And I let them in on a secret because they said, you know, it's kind of scary to go, you know, up to an old person that you've never met before and say something to them. And I said, uh, well, let me tell you a secret. They're more scared of you than you are of them. Because they really are. It's kind of freaky. You know, we get out of our generational bubble, out of our generational comfort zone, and, and it's, it's, just not, it's just not where we like to walk at times. But the grace that we forfeit, the grace that we forfeit for it. And, and listen, old people, you know who you are. Listen. Look at them. Look at them. See, see what's in their lives and proclaim it. One of our daughters, and I'm not going to tell you which one. They're both gorgeous. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but both of our daughters are gorgeous. But one of, one of our daughters, uh, when, she was, when she was young, she didn't really know if she really was pretty or not because she knew mommy and daddy thought she was pretty, but that doesn't really count. So she went to a friend of hers, and she said, am I pretty? And her friend said, no, nah, you're not pretty. Now, I don't know if her friend was just jealous or just an idiot. But, you know, somebody with more sense could have told her, oh, you're, you're beautiful. You know, and there are, time, there are times that I, there, that I just want to go to the girls in the youth group and go, do you know how beautiful you are? I mean, do you know how very you're not just beautiful, you're pretty. And some, because sometimes I feel like they don't know that. And it's very dangerous to not know that. Because somebody will come along one day and tell you that you're pretty and, and, you know, and they're right, but they got wrong motives. Yeah, truth of the matter is. But you really, really are. Now, you know, I, women, the old men can't go over to these girls and go, you're a pretty little thing. You need to do it. You need to call forth what you see in those younger than you coming up behind you. And you know what? They need to hear your stories. They need to know about your life. They need to know about the faithfulness of God in your life. They need to know about the transformation that took place in your life. And that works for you now on a long-term basis. They need to hear that. And, and it starts by somebody saying to somebody else, Hello, I'm glad to see you today. My name is. That's where it begins. That's where, that's where you take it from. Mary went to see Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, Elizabeth said to her, uh, What did Elizabeth say to her? I, I, I thought I'd written it down here. <laughs> You are highly favored. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is, the, blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is the mother of my Lord come to see me? Do you know what that did in, in Mary when she heard that? 
you have that kind of power to speak over those who are behind you and the Lord. Two things, we'll end with this. As soon as Mary heard the angel speak, she said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your word. You can't bring about, you can't force God's hand in your life. You can't, you can't make him do something in your life. You can't force a calling. You can't force a miracle. But you can stop it. And when God speaks to your heart, when God puts a calling on your life, you have the ability to say no. And too often we do. You, one of the reasons, and it, and it may be the chief reason, I don't know, that Mary found favor with the Lord is because she was the kind of person who when an angel came to her and said, this miraculous thing's going to happen inside of you and things that you can't even imagine are going to be attributed to the son that you're going to give birth to, she said, amen. I am the Lord's servant. Let it, let it be unto me what you've spoken. That was, that was so extraordinary about her. And really, to be an extraordinary believer, an extraordinary disciple, really just simply requires learning how to say yes. For years, I kind of grew up in a church culture that trained us to say no. And yes, there are things that we should say no to, but that tends to bleed over, too much no tends to bleed over into all of our lives, to every area of our lives. And really, as believers, we need to be the people who know how to say yes. Yes to God's calling in our lives. Elizabeth said to her, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Has the Lord made any promises to you? Uh, now, there are plenty of promises in the Word. So if you've not gotten any, anything else to hold on to, how about reading the Bible? You'll, you'll find some promises there that you can hold on to. But you know what? He'll give you some personal ones as well. He'll, he'll give you some direct ones. You know, we have to kind of be careful. Sometimes we like to superimpose our desires on, uh, on and and pretend like it's the voice of God but he will make promises to you he, he will and blessed are those then who will believe them it will be a beacon of clarity in your life to follow after a, a promise from God is a precious precious thing and he has one for you he has Perhaps many for you, but he definitely has one. And if you don't know what it is, find out what it is. Find out. He'll speak to you. That's all I got to say this morning. Would you stand with me? And with those who are going to pray with people, come forward. 
there's been uh, there's been quite a bit of, of sickness in the in the area and in the and in the body here in general. And uh, you know what? God heals people. God does miracles. Um, I know uh, Justin and Jessica had a very very sick little boy uh, this weekend, and God healed him. You know, you get in an ambulance with your with your baby to go to the hospital in a seizure and. They end up giving you Tylenol. God's done something. God's done something. So, you know, if, if, there's, a, if there's a need for healing, but not just physical in any, in any way, or if you just need something from God, and maybe, maybe what you need is, you know, hey, I want to know what, I want to hear from him. I want to promise from him. Well, whatever. You come forward. Um, if you don't need to come, let's worship for, together for a few moments. Let's worship together.
afternoon at 3.30. Wednesday at 7. Saturday at 2. Hope to to see you guys a bunch of times for next week. Raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. The God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent His Son into the world to redeem that which is lost. Who sent His Son into the world to bring great favor to those who would believe. May His favor rest upon you. And may it be a beacon of light for your life and for those around you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.